0: Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love, to eating disorders and body image, to mental health, and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. Hope you all have been having a good week so far. Um, And for me personally, I am just gearing up to head on back to school next week. The start of teacher workshops begin for me on Monday, and so I'm just trying to soak up every last minute of summer that I can. Um, But most importantly, I'm really excited about today's episode, and today's episode is all about body image and I have a very special guest with me for this episode, and I have with me today Stephanie Michelle, and here is just a little bit of information about her. Stephanie is a binge eating recovery and body image coach specializing in helping women overcome food and body image issues. She currently holds degrees in human development, psychology, and occupational therapy, with a certification in integrative health coaching and intuitive eating counseling and is currently in training as a somatic experiencing practitioner. After struggling with multiple eating disorders for 25 years, Stephanie experienced her own recovery with the help of a coach and plenty of self exploration. She considers her boots on the ground experience of recovery, her most teachable asset. Stephanie lives in New Jersey with her husband and three daughters, and I have to tell you everybody, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation I was able to have with Stephanie um and so without further ado, let's dive in. Well, hello, Stephanie. How are you doing over there?
1: I'm doing well. It's nice to meet you, Eric.
0: Nice to meet you as well, and thank you so much for coming on for today's episode. Um, so to begin, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself maybe what you do and what led you to do the work that you do today?
1: So I am a self-dubbed I suppose binge eating recovery and body image coach. And what led me here is that I initially I was actually a health coach. So I worked a lot with people who were um, I was teaching people how to do diet culture I was teaching people how to, detox from sugar and um, eat really healthy to the exclusion of all junk food and bad foods and lose weight. And that was just a manifestation of my own eating disorder, which I'd had since I was 15 years old. Um, And along that journey, at some point, realizing that what I was doing was really just a manifestation of that. And I was essentially doing the same thing over and over all the time. And expecting different results, which I recognize as a definition of insanity to a degree, um, and came kind of face to face with with that, and decided to just stop um, everything that I was doing and everything I had built up until that point, and work on my own healing and work on the relationship I had with food in my body because that was ultimately at the root of everything that I felt was wrong, um, and so I did a lot of work there. Um, I spent a lot of time and energy. in that. And then um, when I kind of came out on the other side of it, I was, I mean, the freedom of that, of of not having an eating disorder any longer and not fighting my body every day was something I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I want to share. And I just went from there. And so that's what I do now. And I couldn't love it anymore.
0: That's incredibly beautiful. I think it's so powerful when we can take our own struggles that we have lived through and use that as fuel in the work that we do. So, First of all, thank you for the work that you do, um, as I struggle with an eating disorder as well, Um, and so I'm very, very grateful for a lot of the work that you do and put out there into the world. So, Before we dive in, today's episode is all about body image, and so I'd like for us to take some time to define body image. Um, so how would you define it?
1: So the definition of it is like the the way we see our bodies or the mental picture we have of our own body. But when I talk about body image, I really think of it as the relationship that we have with our bodies and with ourselves because of our bodies. So my body image was my relationship with myself. Um, I didn't have any other way of defining myself or thinking about myself except for my body. So body image was the was everything. Um, and so it wasn't only just the mental picture of, I had of myself, but it was also the way that I interpreted that picture and the way that I judged it and the way that I behaved because of it. Um, so it's more than just that. For anyone who deals with body image struggles will know like it's more than just the picture. It's all the iceberg layers underneath that we're dealing with when we're talking about body image in just those two simple words. So Sonia Renee Taylor wrote a book called The Body is Not an Apology, and she talks about that moment of splitting. Absolutely, And And I really resonated with that that concept when I read it, which is essentially like that moment when usually as a kid sometime, somebody says something to you to point out that something might be wrong with your body or just different about your body. And it's at that that moment where we stop being living in first person, where we stop, you know, when you're, you're a kid and you're just running around, you're on your bike and you're playing and you're just you don't really understand, you don't see yourself as an objectified version of yourself. You just live. And it's this moment where we have somebody maybe say something to us, or maybe we see something even um, in imagery and the media or something that just calls to our attention that there's, the body is a value system and the body appears to others and is interpreted by others and valued by others in a certain way. And I think when we start to reflect on that and see like, oh, I have a body and therefore I must be being seen in a certain way, or judged in a certain way, it creates this splitting of self from body. And I think we could probably all trace that back to various moments. I mean, for some of us, I think there's a moment. And for others, it's like a, a lot of micro moments. Um, but essentially bringing us away from our sense of self as someone who lives in our body and just, and you know, versus myself and versus my body. Um, and yeah, that that can just grow and grow and grow and uh, over time, with a in a inside of a culture that's really pushing that splitting.
0: I got chills when you had even just used the word splitting, because it really is. Once you come to think about it, like it is like you're separating your mind from your body, and then you're equating your worth with a lot of the ideals and a lot of that imagery and or verbiage that you get from those second parties or your family or your friends and whatnot. So. That was a very powerful word that you used was splitting because I really, I do believe that it does come down to splitting in the very end. So thank you for sharing that. Um, So in your eyes, what does having a positive body image mean?
1: So I actually think about this. In terms of what it's not, and I say that because it can be such a leap to have a positive body image when you're coming from having non, not not that <laughs> when you're having you know when your when your relationship with your body is so riddled with strife, um, just getting to a place of neutrality is a godsend, um, and by that I mean not caring so much or not placing so much emphasis or value or attention on the body. So that doesn't mean that you have to like your body. And I think positive body image or body positivity tends to say, like, talk about embracing your body and loving your body and looking in the mirror and being proud of what you see. And that is wonderful. But it's a leap for people who aren't even close to that. And so for me, having a positive body image, (laughs) for me personally, meant not fighting with myself every day, not feeling disgust when I would look in the mirror, not. Uh, not going places because I didn't like the way I looked or couldn't get an outfit, you know, and, and just would crumble in on myself and be like, forget it, I'm canceling the plans. For me, it's pu- having a good, better relationship with my body has been about like the, not doing those things and being able to exist without that added, la- those layers like hanging over me and walking around with them all day long and hearing the voices in my head all day long, that removal, um, being able to sort of like emerge from that murkiness and just be like, okay, here I am. Okay. I can think straight. I can do stuff. I am not bogged down by my body image. Um, to me that, and for to anyone who who deals with this, right? It's like that that's enough. (laughs) That would be awesome. That that's a gift in and of itself. And then being able to work beyond that into more positive body image would be a different part of the journey. But I think actually the harder part is getting to neutrality.
0: Absolutely, I think that leads beautifully into the next question that I have for you. Is I know a lot of this work requires a lot of self-reflection and it requires a lot of vulnerability with yourself. So, for those that are wanting to be on this journey or are on this journey, what do you think are some uh, first steps for people to take to begin this um, journey to get from, you know, really struggling and having poor sense of body image, relationship with body, to this kind of first little hurdle you said of body neutrality?
1: So social media can be a, a double-edged sword. And uh, in some ways, it's, it's just feeding our sense of comparison and high expectations of what bodies are supposed to look like. But on the other side, if you know where to look, um, there's a lot of there are a lot of voices that are talking about this and speaking up for an entire community of people who don't want this anymore, who don't want to be playing this cultural game anymore. Um, and I believe so much in marinating in that for a long time because body image is based on a lot of belief systems that are that have deep, deep roots. They have roots in our culture. They have roots in our families. They have roots in our. Um, peer, in our peer groups, in, in all the systems we live in, and they're not going to just be uprooted overnight. And they're certainly not going to be uprooted because um, we have an inkling of an idea that sounds good. I mean, there's, there's a lot of undoing to do, to undo. And so I am a big proponent of like taking in new pieces of information around this topic and challenging thoughts that are there. And for me, I, I remember hearing about this concept of not, <laughs> not caring so much about how I looked, And I immediately wrote it off. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, I can't even conceptualize that. That's, but it intrigued me. And I ended up following that account. This is years ago. Um, And I followed the account because something in my, something somewhere was like, ooh, ooh, you know, but my, my, the the forefront of my mind was like, no, 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 that's dangerous. Don't do that. Um, And so, but, but I let those messages kind of come into my account and I, it takes time for your brain to get, for, to feel safe with them. And so I really have, like, if I, a word is marination and just to allow yourself to marinate in these messages and learn about them with just being, you, you don't have to agree with them. Um, you don't have to understand them necessarily yet, but just to like, let them in and start hearing them and, and let them come in a bit to explore that piece. Because I think that they do eventually start to make sense in context of, in the context of your life, where you're moving through your life and you're like, oh, this is a place where I might oh, right, I I might have an option to not do this thing or or to not think this way. And when you feel that, when you have that first moment of like, oh, what if I thought about it this way? It's like, it's a fork in the road that you can't ever unsee. And that is part of the magic of it. And I don't think we can force ourselves there. So I think like following accounts that don't make you feel badly about yourself, unfollowing accounts that do, um, and taking enough, as much time as you need to get there and then letting all of that information soak in.
0: Yeah, I love the idea you bring up about sort of exploration and curiosity as as people are kind of looking to take this first step. And I know you said part of your career beforehand, um, leading to your work that you do now, is kind of working within that diet culture system. Um, so what are ways that individuals can tune out some of that noise around diet culture And start to focus a little bit more on um, just things that are not diet culture. Because I feel like we're so inundated with diet culture on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. So one of the mental techniques I use is called spamming. Um, So first we have to notice that all of the messages that are coming in. And once you do sort of pick up on what diet culture even is... Um, And this includes things like wellness culture too, uh, which can just be another form of diet culture, but under the guise of being healthy, um, which I am all, I am all for nutrition and I have nutritional values, but not to the point where um, this is overtaking your sense of self and feeling like we're better than others, or it's becoming an obsession. Um, And so once you start to see the ways that these messages are coming through, either in conversations, like hearing... um, Oh, like my like oh, I'm going to eat whatever I want this weekend and then my diet starts Monday or oh, I look so fat in this or, um, you know, people judging other people's bodies as a form of gossip and a form of bonding or people talking about food as a form of bonding. You see this on the micro levels and then you also see this in the messaging from if you're watching TV shows and just noticing all of the bodies um, on TV and um, how larger bodies are depicted versus how smaller bodies are depicted and also the extreme lack of diversity in body sizes on television um, and the messages on social media and the advertising and the marketing of the foods on the commercials and, and the way that the way that food and bodies are talked about if you start to see that, you see it everywhere. And then one of the techniques about this is learning how to see it as spam and see it as like almost like the spam messages that come to your inbox. You know which ones they are and you know how to delete them before you even open them and you know how to like <laughs> report them. And it's just like, OK, when you hear people talking about these things, there's a certain level of like, oh, I don't have to believe it. I have to spam it like this is part of a culture that's obsessed with this stuff. And it all, everything is a reflection of that. Instead of thinking, oh, what is this thing that I don't know about and have, now I'm going to have FOMO about? And like, if I just do this thing, I'm going to figure it out. It, we, we put so much um, like as if every single piece of information is the thing uh, that we just needed to know. And if we can instead see it as like it's just part of it's part of how industries make money. It's part of how we've learned to talk to each other and um, relate then you can start understanding like what do I what is meaningful to me what messages do I want to be authentic and what do I need to spam out um, and I think having awareness of how that is showing up in all different parts of your life macro and micro um, is a good place to start paying attention
0: absolutely and I really don't think we give ourselves the time to stop and pause and question a lot of that information that diet culture is throwing our way because they're really it's like you said, it's coming at us a million miles an hour. And so I really love that idea of taking that moment to pause and label a message that you might get as, oh, spam, got to just file that away. Um, and so I think that's a really beautiful way to, a good first step to recognizing a lot of the messaging that we get inundated with on a daily basis surrounding diet culture. Um, so along with diet culture, I, me personally, I believe that diet culture attributed to the onset of my own personal eating disorder. What do you think um, might be some other causes or factors that may lead to um, someone beginning to struggle with the relationship with their body?
1: Well, because bodies are such an obvious sign of, they're a currency in our culture. they're, They're a system of value and we all know it. Um, And because of that, they're a good way to get your message across and they're a good way to speak for yourself in ways that you may not be able to speak otherwise. So I don't think the body image issues are an issue of vanity. They're they're a voice that we have or or a sense of safety we're trying to find. There's always layers underneath about human needs. So needs of um, having a purpose, having a sense of identity, having... being loved, being accepted, belonging, not feeling alone, um, just being being seen or unseen, um, depending on where what your needs are or both, being seen and unseen. Um, I think that we, because b- bodies are this value system, we realize quickly that if I control my body, or if my body is out of control, it speaks to the world in a certain way. It's giving messages because we. You know, in, in, I work with a lot of people in corporate culture, for example. And bodies are a, If your body is toned and fit and small, you're disciplined. You're smart. And you're more. You're more. You're more likely for that promotion. It shows that you're hardworking. It shows that you're committed. It, sh- it shows all these things, right? And I think it's the way that we say, "Look, this is what I actually am, and my body shows it. And this is how I stay safe by showing you that because." Um, I might not be able to communicate that in other ways, or I might not feel seen for those things in other ways. Um, and vice versa, becoming out of control with food can be a way that we tell tell someone. I mean, this was how my eating disorder manifested. It was how I spoke to my family to say, I am not okay. I am not okay. <laughs> and I don't know how else to say it. Um, and so that was my voice. And it was how I hid. And it was how I um, I just stayed separate from the world so the world couldn't hurt me. Um, And so I think there's a lot of different ways that we can use our bodies to, um, to give us an in or give us an out. And because it's such a, a, like I said, like a dominant, um, it's it's a currency, It, it can be manipulated in those ways with, you know, with an impact, because people are paying attention to that.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of need to really dig deep and to reflect on finding your innate worth and your innate value beyond body image. And so, um, I guess the question I have for you is: What do you see are the biggest challenges that people face as they begin to heal their relationship with their body?
1: Well, one is that, um, like you said, it comes at you a million miles an hour. So it's it's an uphill battle in so many ways because as much work as you do on your own, you're going to go out in the world and there's going to be a lot coming at you. Um, so there's always uh, a lot of push in the opposite direction of where you're trying to go. And so there's a lot of room for doubt. And there's a lot of room for fear because we feel like we're doing it wrong because the rest of the world will have you convinced that you're doing it wrong if you're not pursuing body goals or food goals. Um, And that's hard because you have to have a pretty strong sense of self to To deal with that, and having a sense of self is exactly what gets compromised inside of an eating disorder and body image because it gets filled up by food in your body. Um, so your sense of self sort of takes us backstage, you know, backseat to that. So it's this kind of this catch twenty two. Um, and I think honestly, I think that's probably the hardest thing, as well as finding what, like finding other ways of being safe. I don't think it's something like my eating disorder. Um, helped me with. Um, vulnerability and help me not be vulnerable because I was so, so used to shutting the world out that I didn't have to deal with it. So when I took away my coping mechanism of food and body image, I, I felt very raw. I felt very exposed. And it's not an overnight process that just because I decided, okay, I'm ready to fear face. I'm ready to, to see who I am without this means that that's easy to do or that that feels safe to do. And in many cases, especially where some of us have had histories of trauma, It's really not safe to do. And the nervous system can become, it's like got a mind of its own. And it's kind of like, this is not okay. This is not okay. We need to go back to our eating disorder. Like, this is, this, this doesn't feel good. Um, And so, dealing, like, kind of coaxing your nervous system along with you and helping it feel safe as you're venturing into these unknown, you know, unknown territory, especially where people are kind of opposing you on it, um, is an art. (laughs) And it is slow and it's, Um, And in that slow, you know, in that time is there's a lot of room for like, never mind, I'm not doing this anymore. This takes too long. I must must not be doing it right. Or this, this is too painful. So it's the amount of of time and like slow growth in this can be a lot of reasons why we run away before like that we're through those, you know, that kind of messy middle. Um, And I think a lot of the systems out there that are designed to help us are actually um, hurting. I think some of the eating disorder and, um, body image treatments are misguided, uh, fat phobic, there's a lot of weight stigma. Um, and that, the you know, the, the systems that we depend on to help in many cases are are lacking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it really requires a strong sense of resiliency and recognizing that resiliency that lies within and really sticking to it. Since you had just mentioned that, you know, it is a long and exhausting journey and mentally challenging but if this is something that you're really wanting to work on and improve, there are gonna be those really hard times where you're gonna to need to depend upon that resiliency within. And I think for me personally, as I, I never told anyone I had an eating disorder. And, and so people didn't know I officially had an eating disorder until I chose to share my story with the world. And so I think a lot of this work also um, requires humility on our own part, we need to be able to first accept and allow what is typically viewed as something that is bad by society and eating disorder. Oh my gosh, like he is struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and really just looking for ways to just let that humility come to the surface and allow yourself the grace to just be okay with that being a part of your journey. Because I think once we have that acceptance, that is going to be our fuel to help propel us forward as we continue on this journey.
1: Yeah. I think so much of it, like the fear of being seen. And that goes for emotions too, right? We're so afraid, we're f- afraid of our shadow sides. We're afraid of what what will it do to me if if this if people know or if people see. And um maybe in the past there's been like reason to fear that. And and I think that humility is a, it's a concept I'm really intrigued by actually in eating disorder work um, and body image and how it can actually be so grounding and so um, freeing, but it's so, it's its terrifying um, to be able to be that vulnerable. Um, but it can, it, it's one of the things I believe in my journey too, was one of the things that actually set me free in the end.
0: Yeah. I really think like when we step into that space of allowing ourselves to Um, in humility, we are um, putting ourselves first for once. And we are kind of tuning out the noise of society. And I think that can be so incredibly powerful. When we finally like stand beside ourselves, after not standing by ourselves for so long, as we're in the depths of struggling with eating with eating disorders with body image and all of that and whatnot. So yeah, I also agree, you know. Humility is such a fascinating topic that I feel like has such a negative connotation. But when looked at at a deeper level, it can really be such a powerful thing that we allow ourselves to experience.
1: It builds resilience, right? Like it. it I think when you've been in that place, it's like this is as raw as it gets. And and then you come through that. And that I think that sets a stage forever. Um, and I think you make a good point of talking about how... Um, well, it's interesting to to hear you talk about it as a, as a as a man versus like like almost sometimes I think females can be applauded for having eating disorders like it's almost like a badge of honor in some cases. Um, but I but it must it's different on on the on a male side and how it's not as talked about and, and it's definitely not as normalized. And that can be I mean there's so many ways in which it's it's working in different ways uh, for male versus female here. It's interesting to that you bring it up.
0: Yeah, for me, like having an eating disorder was almost shameful because you don't hear talk about men ever struggling with eating disorders. And to be a part of that small percentage, when you think of a pie chart and the amount of men that actually have an eating disorder, um, I just felt so shameful that I fell into that small percentage. Um, And actually, I really don't think people truly know the prevalence of eating disorders amongst the male community as well. Um, And so that is like part of my mission in, in the work that I do is to not only raise awareness around eating disorders, but also to inform others that eating disorders aren't just related with women and that it expands over into males as well. So yeah, it's definitely something that there needs to be more conversation around I think for sure.
1: A hundred percent. I'm glad that you do this work um, and that you're a voice in this in this area. I also like how you talked about um, <laughs> humility as a way of standing of, of putting yourself first because um, people pleasing is, is definitely a, a trait sometimes of, of people in this in this area of putting other people's opinions first and other people's comfort first um, and bringing b- back to the splitting when you were talking about, it's like, it's like being standing beside yourself. It's like rejoining, right? It's like coming back to oneself, which is essentially what really this is all about and saying like, I'm back. I'm here. I'm like, let's do like, let's do this. I'm not, I'm not separate from you anymore.
0: Yeah. And I think it's hard to trust that reunion because you're so used to being so separated for so long that when you try to connect the two, you're like, whoa, this is really scary, I've never talked to myself like this, and you almost have that like avoidant response um, where you're just like, get me away, I want to just go back into my lane that I was in control on, and it's really letting go of the need to control and then trust that, yes, this is going to be very uncomfortable and you're going to have to do a lot of unlearning, of behaviors you've become so comfortable with that it's going to be worth that sense of being uncomfortable and to trust that reunion
1: Mm -hmm. on both sides because the body has to trust us back and I think I think about that sometimes with body image I'm like think about this from the perspective of your body who has been showing up every day day after day after day despite its rejection and thinking of it it as almost like that inner child where we might have originally split and like it's just, it's always here. It's always been, it's always been there. Um, but so much of the work is like, how do we trust each other again on both sides of that equation? Um, it is like a relationship. Um, and so it is slow in that regard and and that it takes time. It always takes more time than people that we want it to take.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for me, a large part of me recreating and reestablishing a healthy relationship with my body was really shifting the narrative that I used to talk to myself. Um, You recently posted on your Instagram the following quote, which I really resonated with. If you find it hard to speak kindly to yourself, remember that self-compassion can be logical and matter of fact. Kindness can also mean refusing to tolerate self-criticism, even if that voice is clear and firm rather than soft and gentle. So the question I have for you is, what does that look like to speak kindly to yourself in those more intense moments through the lens of being clear and firm?
1: Right. Okay. So I um, was not resonant with tender self-compassion at all because, like you say, it was—it didn't feel true. It was very—it was not the way I operated or talked to myself. Um, I actually respond and still to this day respond more to. Um, the firm sense, which started out for me, this was actually one of the first, when we were talking earlier about what are the first things you can do about with body image. And one of the first things I did was to notice the way I was talking to myself, which was really hard to notice because it was just the way I talked to myself. I didn't really recognize it as a way of talking to oneself. It was just what it was. Um, Until at some point I I was, I remember I was, um, I was, I was getting ready. I was thinking I was getting in the shower and I was like, I I just did my typical like glanced at my body and was like ugh, and I think it came out out loud. And usually it was like in my head, and I just made this disgusting this noise of disgust. And I I guess because I'd been reading on social media, like there were things that were starting to come into my mind around how you talk to yourself around your body, and I was like, oh, that's what that is. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Um, But I was like, yeah, but I deserve it, so it's fine. Like this doesn't apply to me. You know, being kind to my body doesn't apply to me because. I'm disgusting, but I noticed it. And like, Oh, over time I noticed it more and more. And then it became this kind of thing where I knew I was never going to say, it's okay. You're beautiful. It wasn't going to happen. But what I did start to do was say like, no, no, no tolerance for disgust. You do not have to like your body. You do not have to think it's lovely and you do not have to embrace it and touch it and like, tell it how much you love it, but you cannot talk to yourself that way. And that's the exact voice that I used. It was this matter of fact, like firm but like no no bullying allowed and there was nothing soft about that delivery but it was also it was a, it was a defender of sorts and i did feel a sense of protection in that there was something about that i was like oh it was it was that standing up for me for the first time and i liked how that voice gave me permission to not have to li- i don't have to change my opinion you're allowed to not like your body that is fine but you do not use those words you do not make sounds of disgust at yourself it's disrespectful. The way that I would teach my kids, if I heard them calling someone else a name, I would say it the same way. And that was how I started. And it's still really a lot of how I talk to myself around like, no, no, like this isn't, this isn't okay. Like we're not, we're, we don't talk to ourselves that way. And I got very far using that. and I, And I'm actually able to use more tender self-talk now, but it was years in before I could do stuff like that. And it had to start out as just like Kind of like someone who's just got your back and isn't very warm and fuzzy about it. <laughs> and that's fine. And I think that is kindness because it's still someone who's saying like, look, you can't be rude to yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, that's a re- thank you for sharing all of that and thinking back to it. And at the beginning stages, you, know, you had just kind of mentioned like you were kind of really more strict with it. You're like, you cannot talk to your body like that. Um, and you were really setting a really firm boundary with yourself. Um, And I almost relate that back to your concept of splitting, because there was that like disconnect between mind and body is that you were getting a lot of the this messaging come in of like, oh, I love your body for what it is, and just kind of like the more gentle nature. But I think as you started to become more comfortable with kind of this more firm um, way that you talk to yourself, you reestablish that trust. And I think I could be potentially wrong here. But, you know, as you began to talk to yourself that in regaining that trust, it allowed for the splitting to come closer and closer. And then it allowed for that more gentle talk to kind of seep into the picture.
1: Yeah, yes, exactly. Because it was because in the splitting, it was like, there was nobody that was, tr- that nobody cared to make that relationship better. There was nobody in the middle trying to bring that, them back, these two forces back together. It was just like radio silence and ultimate rejection. And this voice was kind of not allowing that rejection to feed on its own fury. It was like, no, and it was some, it, you, you can't. You you can't have some somebody defending you if, if you're not listening. So it it was um, it was the first time in my life that I had a voice that was that was trying to bring something back with with a boundary. There was a bound. You, you're right when you say boundary. There was such a boundary setting that I needed um, because my critic was so awful and felt free to be. Um, and this was the first time it had to be accountable, and that eventually made way for me to be able to. Um, I think, I think part of the reason it's hard to talk kindly to yourself is you just, it just feels, you're just not connected enough. yet. It just, you don't feel, I mean, it's part of it. Like you just don't feel like, I don't know, there's not that vulnerability with yourself yet. And the more that you can come in and like, I I see myself more as much more as a whole person now. And I'm I'm able to listen to tender self-talk, you know, to a point, Um, you know, but I, I can hear it and be like, yeah, all right. I deserve that. Like, Okay, I'm not terrible. I'm not a terrible human. Like I can see that now. You know, like I'm not my my body is not this my worth, and like the things I do, the mistakes I make are not my worth. So um, I'm able to let a lot more of that in now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can uh, I can definitely relate where I feel like I don't necessarily resonate with the gentle self talk, and I'm I'm slowly starting to allow myself to trust more of that gentle talk, but kind of going back to your point where once that boundary is set, all it takes is that one positive experience um, with when that boundary is set and you have a positive result to allow that to serve as fuel to keep you moving forward. And then you're like, yes, this works. And once you just have that one success, there's just so much more motivation and excitement, I think, for you to continue like pushing forward and experimenting and trying out new things because, you know, what might work for one person isn't going to work for the other. So setting that strict boundary might not work and having that be kind of a more rigid, don't talk to your body like that. But then for another person, they might need that more gentle self-talk because deep down they're searching for that sense of love and just feeling loved. And so um, I love that it can be the both and here. You can be strict and... Um, be clear and firm and you can also be soft and gentle. And it's really finding that balance between the two and letting them coexist.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's funny because I'm a parent too. Like I have three girls, three, and I'm noticing, I started this work while they were little and I'm noticing how much of that inner talk is the way I parent them. Um, and it's, you'll it's, it's interesting to discover what I needed by what I want to give them, um, and sometimes it is that voice of like there there are boundaries here, and sometimes it is that like warmth and that like I like you know it is kind and soft, um, and it varies day to day how I'm feeling and how they're feeling, and that's true of us too, right? Like it's it's a it's like what do we need when, and knowing what we need when, um, and being able to give that to ourselves, um, like I said, I, it feels a bit like an art that we're that we're figuring out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it requires the awareness for ourselves to know what those needs are. Because sometimes I really don't think that we're able to put a finger on what those needs are, but we're responding a certain way to something. And so I think it requires a lot of self-awareness and like you said, vulnerability and going back to the concept of humility and, and really allowing the self to just be and to be okay with, what it is choosing to do and how it is showing up in the moment.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said about um that one time, right? So like when you feel like you go at it a new way and you you set a boundary or you or you speak kindly to yourself and you realize that there's something in you that responds to that? Gosh, it like I remember the moment that happened to me like where I was. Um, The very first time that I felt that it is empowerment because there's an entirely new way of relating to yourself that you just had no access to before. And um, I mean, it was like it was just this like Tuesday afternoon kind of moment, but it was huge to me. And it was like, I can meet myself differently like that is. And it's not to say that, like from then on there, I did. (laughs) Um, But it was absolutely something that I was like, oh, this is, a, this is viable. Like this is something I, can, I need to look at more. I need to, I need to try this more. It, it really gave me a sense of my own agency. Um, and I think that's a piece of it. I think that with body image, we become in the effort, in the, that quest for control, we end up becoming controlled by our own selves. And I think that this, getting away from this is an empowerment. And I think a lot of times I'll hear clients say, well, it's like giving up on yourself or it's like letting yourself go. You know, it's like the surrender process. And it's like, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's really taking back control in a way that is, um, that is like self-care, right? It is about, it's about having the freedom to be able to speak to yourself the way you want to be spoken to and to to meet your needs the way that you need to get them met. Yeah. In a way that probably that was just wasn't an option. It just wasn't even a, a conception before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure people are terrified to lose that sense of control that they've had so long and i think that can potentially hold people back from you know taking this very um deep end and whatnot journey with their body and i think that it's something to really think about are you willing to let go of the control or the fact that you've been controlled for so long by something
1: and and you know what like there's a it, it's not all easy and it's not like when you get there you're like oh i'm so like i don't miss well you can be like i don't miss that at all but there's there is an element of control that you do give up in in a, in the societal sense right in the so- sense that you'll get praised by others and there's a lot of external validation for you do lose some of that and i think that part of the process is like grief of that and it's just like recognizing like that sucks. And in a lot of ways it does. And there is a sacrifice of that in this process. Um, And that's true. And I think that we, I think that that can be looked at in the eye. And, And I'm not one to say like, you'll never, you'll never, you know, like there is this sense of it's, it feels good to be in control sometimes. Like it, it just does. It's a very human thing to want to control things, especially when everything else feels chaotic or environment or internal environment's chaotic and the world is chaotic. Like control is like an easy go-to. Um, I think it's like, it's being able to see it and being able to say, I know, yes, it, it was easy. And in a lot, in some ways, sometimes I miss that. And still I want to stay here. I want to stay by my, by my own side. Um, and that is a muscle. Um, to, to build but I, I wouldn't want to convince anybody that it's um you know that there's not conflict around that because there is
0: definitely um so the title of this podcast is embracing you so how do you think that having a positive relationship with our bodies can help us embrace ourselves a little more
1: <sighs> because you get to you get to stop walking the tightrope <laughs> um I think a, a, a a concept I always talk about is authenticity. And so when you're ta- we're talking about pleasing others and putting other people's opinions first and not living in first person um, and performing through our bodies, you're sacrificing self. And so embracing you is like this, it's the, to the humility point, it's like, this is me, this is me. And here I am. And once you are there, it's like, you have the out breath. It's like, you can say like, all right, There's not, there's no, I'm not, there's no falling from grace anymore. There's no like expectation I have to uphold. There's no like, like I taught that tightrope walking of like what, like just get it, you know, like it's such a, it's such a tension wire to be controlling your food and your body to such degrees that we do. And when you find peace in your body or or neutrality in your body, you get to like, my life has expanded. I don't have to think about this so much. I'm, I'm, you know, like on podcasts and like, well, granted it is, it is kind of about this, but still it's like my creativity flourished after that. Like my mind had time to do all these other things that I actually wanted to do. I was, I'm still discovering ways that like who I am through my pursuits now, 25 years after hibernating them for so long. Um, And so the authenticity, I think, that comes out of this is, um, it starts with saying, this is my body, or this is how I eat when I'm hungry. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it kind of is the gateway to all the other needs we have and the other preferences we have and the other like, outbreaths that we have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you stole the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it allows for such a beautiful opening for you to, like you had just mentioned, explore all of these other avenues and passions of yours in life. And I think once we have created the space for that opening to happen, you hit the nail on the head when it all comes back to a lot of these things that we find ourselves pursuing in this openness should align with who we are and should be really authentic to who we are. And so I don't think I could have said it any more perfectly. And I think you painted such a really beautiful picture right there of what can happen on the other side of, you know, refusing to walk that tightrope. Well, are there any other final words or words of encouragement you'd like to leave listeners with as we finish up our time here together?
1: I think bringing back the point of um, that this takes a while and it takes, um, did you ever play Tetris? the game of Tetris. Yes. With the puzzle pieces. I think a lot of this work feels like Tetris where you're building, you know, you've got one corner where you're putting some pieces together and they fit and some other pieces over here and things make sense like this and in different parts. And sometimes it takes a while for them all to come together to make space. Um, And I think that like it, I hear from a lot of people who like feel like they're doing it wrong or it's, it's too painful. And so it hurts too much. and, And I don't know if I can do this and it's, it's like, if you feel like there's pieces that are making sense to you, um, and there's things that resonate and you're listening to this podcast because something hits about it. and you know, like to keep following that and to keep putting your pieces together and going at your own pace. Um, and I believe in going at your own pace and coming at it from when it feels right here, not because you feel like you should, or someone told you to, um, it, it really comes from inside. And when it comes from that, um i think that the pieces come together a lot more fluently i just have a lot of hope <laughs> for people in this situation and so i just want to communicate that i suppose
0: yeah absolutely and i think just this image of splitting is still really resonating with me and it will but i think what you just talked about right there is when we finally allow ourselves to feel things from our heart that is when the splitting gets closer and i think that's when the unification of the mind and the self can can come together as one to begin the journey so like i said i'm really 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 grateful for your time here um, that we've been able to spend together and i am leaving this conversation feeling very refreshed and excited to um put this out there and share this with everybody for those that are interested in following you and or learning more about you where can we go to uh, learn more about you
1: I'm on Instagram and Facebook at I am Stephanie Michelle and my website is I am Stephanie
0: And I'll make sure to include those in the show notes for people to be able to find and utilize. So once again, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom and for shining your lights and shining your light on this very important work that I think they're still. a lot of work and whatnot um, needed in this space of body image and eating disorders so i'm very very grateful for you and the work that you do
1: thank you so much it was nice to talk to you today
0: well i hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as i did and i am just amazed with the insight that stephanie was able to bring with regards to body image. And like I said in the interview, you can find information on where to find her in the show notes. So if you're looking for information, that is where you can go. But until next time, I hope you continue to be gentle with yourselves. I hope you can lean into the present moment more And most importantly, I hope you can honor and embrace your body for what it is and the gift that it is to you. Much love.